Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. So anyway, uh, what we've found is that God has a plan for our life. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter if you're in the latter stages of your life, God still has a plan. Maybe you're just starting out, maybe you haven't even moved out of mom and dad's house yet. God's got a plan for you. Amen? Amen? Maybe your kids and your grandkids are looking looking towards you and God's still got a plan. And what we're trying to do is to, to show you that to walk out the plan of God for your life, it takes courage. It's gonna, it, God will do it. He'll put it in you. He'll prepare the way. Bible says that he goes before you. He stands with you. I mean, he's there to get it done. But you've got to have the courage. You've got to muster up the courage to walk with him. And if you don't have the courage to walk with him, you're going to miss out on what he has for you. Is that fair? And, and you say, well, Pastor Mike, how, how, are we, how are we, you know, determining this? We're doing it through God's word. And we're looking at, at an example, Joshua, who's an incredible man of God in the, in the Old Testament. And he grew up in really adverse circumstances. He grew up as a slave. Uh, he, he was somebody's property. He, he didn't have a choice. He didn't have a choice if he wanted to go to work or if he wanted to do this for a living or, or go there on vacation. He had no choices. He was property. And, and he grew up with an understanding that he was less than. But then this guy comes along named Moses. And, and, and Moses is just, he, he, he walks with God in such a powerful way. And, and God does these amazing things through his life. And he walks with such authority and such confidence and such power that Joshua is drawn to him. And, and he, he literally becomes his right-hand man. And he's just there for him, whatever he needs. And, and all along, God, Joshua doesn't even know it, but all along God's preparing him to fulfill the plan that God has for Joshua. And he's doing it through an example of Moses. So let me tell you something, guys. If you've been walking with God for a while, and how many of you have been walking with God for 10 years or more? Let me see your hands. Look at the hands. This is incredible. You're to be a Moses to some Joshua. You're to show them what it means to walk with God. Well, Pastor Mike, now you're putting pressure on me, man. Now you're saying I got No, no, no. I'm just saying the opportunity's there to let somebody else grow from what you're walking in. Does that make sense? And God is trying to encourage us. And if you're a Joshua trying to find your place with God and, and, and trying to understand what does God have for me in this life, find a Moses. Find somebody that's walking with God and learn how they do it, and then you'll find your place. It's, it's the reason God puts the scriptures in there, right? So now we're in Joshua, and we're looking, and, and God is the first five, or actually the first nine verses we go through at the beginning of the services for this series, and it's not because I think you guys forget. It's, it's to stir you and to give you something fresh for God to work with as he peels back the layers and, and reveals something to you that I couldn't possibly, but God can. You can hear more than I'm saying is what I'm, is what I'm saying. God could speak to you a lot further than just the words coming out of my mouth. Remember that movie? Do you understand the words are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> So anyway, so I, wanna, I just want to encourage you, be expecting, know that God's got a plan, but understand to walk in it, you've got to develop, and remember we talked about how courage is like a muscle. You have to exercise it for it to grow and to get stronger. 
And what God has for you tomorrow is going to take more courage than you've got today. So you've got to work that courage. You've got, to, you've got to understand faith helps me walk in things I don't necessarily understand, but I know that God does. And I know who my God is so I can have courage to walk with him. Does that make sense? Let's get started. Joshua 1, 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses has left. He's gone. Now, Joshua's dealing with the loss of his mentor, of his hero, and he's also dealing with the weight of stepping into Moses' shoes. And I promise you guys, if you get to know God, you're going to find out that he's going he's to have something for you to do that's bigger than you can do alone. But with God, you can do all things. Does that make sense? You can get through this storm. Whatever the storm is, you can get through it because God's with you. You can do it. I don't think I can make it. You can make it because God's with you. You don't understand, Pastor Mike. It's just, it's, it, it's like beating me. No, no, no. You're looking at the storm instead of looking at the God that's bigger than the storm. Stop putting your attention on something that's going to steal your strength and put your attention on something that's going to encourage, place courage in you to rise up and walk it out. Right? You guys with me? So now here's Joshua. He's, he's dealing with this. But I want you to see what God's doing through this. My Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. Now remember, the Jordan River was a symbol for them to separate their past of bondage and slavery and to step into the blessings of God. Okay, you ready? Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Verse 3, I will give you every place. Look what God's saying. This is what I'm going to do. Joshua, focus on me, not on the problem. Not on the task. Not on what's, what's, what's trying to scare you. Focus on me. Focus on what I'm doing. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend. And he talks about from the desert, Lebanon, all the way to the river, the Euphrates, all the Hittites, the Eddieites, and the Bumpkinites, or whoever they are. All their country is going to be yours. Now, verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Here's what he's saying. There's going to be some fights. How many of you have ever been in a fight? How many of you have ever been in a physical fight where the other person was trying to hurt you? Look around. You'd be surprised some of the hands that are up. You know? But here's the thing. What God is telling Joshua is that you're never going to lose a fight if you walk with me. Muhammad Ali is not going to have nothing on you. He lost the fight. Mike Tyson ain't going to have nothing on you. He lost the fight. But you walk with me, this is God talking to Joshua. Joshua, focus. Look, look, Joshua. You know, my brother-in-law is trying to teach me how to train our dogs because our dogs are, are amazing at training us. And we're trying to train them. And... Uh, and he's saying, he goes, you got to get their attention. You got to grab their jaws. I, I tried this on Donna. No, I'm just kidding. But he said, you got to grab their jaws and make eye contact with them and make them focus on you. And, and that's literally what God's doing to Joshua. He's like, Joshua, focus on me. Listen to what I'm saying, not what the circumstances are saying. He's saying, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you every place. You're not going to lose a fight. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never, never is a big word. How many of you have learned to say, never say never? You ever been that person, I'll never do that. 
And then there's always somebody there to remind you, thought you'd never do it, you know. So, you know, but God, he's not afraid of never. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. If you count on me, I'll be there. That's what he's saying. No matter what you face, God's saying, with me, you're not going to lose, right? He's just, he's, he's just telling, this is what I'm going to do. This is who I am to you. This is what I'm willing to do for you. And, and he's just telling him all of this stuff. Nobody can stand before you all the days of your life. Nobody. Nobody. I don't know who's been holding you back, but if you walk with God, nobody can stand before you. I don't care if it's a bottle. I don't care if it's a drug. I don't care if it's a pornography. I don't care if it's gossip. I don't care what has held you back from being your best. If you walk with God, it can't hold you back any longer. It can't stop you anymore. He goes on, short version, Joshua 1, 6, be strong and courageous. He says, this is all the stuff I'm going to do for you. This is what I have planned for you. This is what I've prepared for you. This is what I need from you, Joshua. I need you to be courageous. I need you to be courageous enough to walk with me. Because you know, in our world, it, sometimes it takes courage to, to let your light shine. It takes courage at work to let people know that you're one of them fanatics that go to church every Sunday. It takes courage in a group of people that you're comfortable with to let them know that you actually believe in God and the Bible and you carry him with you in your heart is wherever you go. It takes courage to do that. We have so many undercover Christians. And I was one for years. When I got married, my wife didn't know I was a Christian. And I've been a Christian for years. I was like a secret agent Christian. I mean, I held my cover. I was on the knock list. Nobody knew it. Just me and God. Sometimes we weren't even sure. <laughs> but I learned how important it is to let my light shine. The night that she was laying next to me in bed, we'd gotten married, and she had said something that was bothering her. I don't remember what it was, but this is what I do remember. And I wasn't, I, I wasn't used to letting my light shine. Matter of fact, we'd probably been out partying that night. But I looked at her and I said, well, well just pray about it. And she looked back at me and she said, oh, I'm beyond that. God doesn't hear me anymore. Or God doesn't hear me, personally. And I knew from that second that the woman I loved, the woman I committed the rest of my life to, was going to spend eternity in hell. And suddenly it became important to me to let my light shine. So I immediately ran to my brother, who was a preacher. I said, you've got to get her saved. <laughs> I just had a little bitty light, you know. You got a big light. You, you shine your light so she can see it, you know. I'm showing the light on you, and then you shine the big light. Um, and he did, man. He started praying for it. He ended up leading her to the Lord in, in his firebird, which anybody rode with him in his firebird was crying out to God anyway. <laughs> Crazy driver. And he thought he was a good driver. He wasn't. But, but here's the thing. Joshua, I'm going to do all this stuff. Don, I'm going to do all this stuff. Nicole, I'm going to do all this stuff. I prepared it for you. It's already set. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go before you. I got you is what God is saying. I've got you. But I need you to be courageous. I need you to have enough courage to walk with me through the storm. I'll get you there, but you've got to stick with me. You let go of me, then you might get yourself into trouble. But if you walk with me, 
we're going to get through. Nothing can beat you. Nothing can stop you. How many of you know it's good news that nothing can stop you? Nothing can keep you from being the person God created you to be if you choose to walk with God. It's not, it's not a legalistic thing where, oh, I got to do. No, no, no. You just walk with him. You believe he's your father. You believe he's with you. You believe he's gone before you. And when he says, step there, you say, yes, sir. And you know he's already made a way. That's the kind of courage he's, ta- he's talking about. Amen? Amen? So, you know, verse 1-6, we said, be strong, courageous. Verse 1-7, be strong, be very courageous. In verse 8, he kind of reiterates. You know, you ever have somebody kind of bring it back around so that they're sure you got it? You know, like parents with your kids. Okay, this is what I want you to do. And this is, don't do this. Don't do this. Okay. All right, great. I love you. Okay, I'll be back at this time. I love you. You're the greatest kids in the world. By the way, this is what I don't want you to do. <laughs> this, is, this is what I want you to do. They reiterate it. So in, in, in verse 8 of our, of our text that we're using, I don't have it on the screen today because I don't have time. But God tells him, he says, Joshua, listen, this will all work for you. And, and when he says it to Joshua, he's saying it to you. He's saying it to me. He's saying, this will all work for you if you just stay in my word. He says, keep my word on your lips. What does that mean? It means that you talk like he talks. Not, you talk about what you want, not what you're afraid of or what you think could happen. You make declarations of faith that say what God says. Amen. Well, but Pastor Mike, there's a coronavirus today. Do you know that's not a surprise for God? Matter of fact, he's prepared us for this day. You know, the Bible talks about in the last days, which we're in, the last days meaning that it's before Jesus comes back to get us and to take us to our place in heaven. It talks about there will be pestilence, which is, is um, sickness that we can't control. And, you know, we'll could, you know, it'll have its way for a while, but then God's going to give doctors and scientists the idea to bring a, a, a um, oh, vaccination. Thank you. Sorry, babe. Anyway... <laughs> Um, to give us what we, what we need to, to be able to, to rise above it. But in the meantime, it's going around. And, and I mean, there's some people getting scared. You say, yeah, but that's all over there. Yeah, go to Sam to see if you can buy antiseptic right now. It's gone. Most stores don't have any hand sanitizer. Why? Because people are letting this thing grab a hold of them. The Bible says in the last days that, that you know, you're going to have times where a thousand may fall at the right and 10,000 at the left. But if you stay focused on God, you'll stay standing. Yeah. So what I'm telling you is, as God prepared Joshua before he faced this, and he told him who he was, and he told him what he would do, and he told him he'd be with him, and he told him he'd go before him, God has done that for us, facing it, coronavirus or any other thing that comes our way. God's prepared us for this. <clears throat> Don't allow fear to get a hold of you. Don't allow the news to bring it in such a way that it causes you to, 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 to pull back and to to be less than you were created to be because you're in fear. Courage is doing the right thing in the face of fear. We need courage in this day, not to face giants, but to face sickness, disease, economic challenges, um, cultural values that are contrary to what we hold dear, crime in the streets. You can't, now, I'm not saying don't use wisdom. You got to use wisdom. That's why God gave you a brain, right? But you use it with faith. That God shows me the steps to take. I'm going to walk in them with faith because I know he's with me. 
and I don't care if it's coronavirus, if it's crime, if it's economic disaster, I don't care what it is, God says, I've got you. And if you let him get you, you're got. And you don't have to be afraid of anything else. Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. This is a weapon. It's not maybe made in a laboratory by somebody, but it is sickness and disease. It's a weapon of the enemy to our lives to try to bring us into a place of living less than we were meant to. And God says, don't get distracted. Yeah, we, we acknowledge it's there, but he's still my God. He's, Jesus still took stripes on his back, and by his stripes I was healed. He still sent his word and healed them. God wishes above all things that we would be in health and prosper, even as our soul prospered. This is God's word. So, so coronavirus or any other virus doesn't have power over you when you've got the courage to walk with God. Does that make sense? That's what this series is about. And, and it's, it's something that's going to help us get to the place where we live our best life. We live the life that Jesus gave his life so that we could have it. Amen? And we learned that to live our best life last week, it takes courage. It's something that we have to have. <clears throat> we learn, in my, my terminology, we learn not to be a Gilligan, Gilligan's Island. Gilligan always got in his own way from his rescue. If, if, if we want to see God do what God wants to do in our life, we've got to get out of our own way, which means we start doing things God's way. Amen? And we have to understand there is an enemy to our life who wants us to settle for a lesser version of ourselves than God designed. He wants us just to settle, just to kind of cover up. And God says, no, that's not what I created you for. That's not why I want you to be here. That's not why I put you here. Amen? So we've got to learn that. And we also learned last week that you're never going to find your best life in your comfort zone. Because you can have courage and comfort. You just can't have them at the same time. It takes no courage to bundle up and stay comfortable. It takes courage to step out and go places you haven't been before, to do things you're not comfortable with. Amen? So let's get started today. Here's the first point. It takes courage to be accept exceptional. It takes courage to be exceptional. I want you to know that each and every one of you were created to be exceptional. In some way, God created you to be exceptional. We all have different gifts and different abilities and, and different ways to, to let the power and the, the, the majesty of God shine through us, but he created every one of us to be exceptional. Well, Pastor Mike, what does exceptional even mean? And here's what it means. It means unusual, uncommon, out of the ordinary. Last week, we learned that we're not to conform to this world. We're not to fit in. Right. We're to stand out. We're to be transformed by what? By renewing our way of thinking to God's way of thinking. We're to be transformed by walking with God and not staying in the problem. Amen? And as we do this, God is going to, he's going to show us. We're supposed to be, Jesus said this. And you know, a lot of times you need to take the time to stop. I know we get on plans to read the Bible. And those are powerful. If you've never read the Bible all the way through, don't let it be intimidating. And there's so many apps for your phone now where it will help you every day. You can have one where you read a lot, or you can have one where you just read a few. And you could be through the Bible in a year. And you may think, well, what's so special about that? Let me tell you something. I remember the first time I did it. The first time I read through the Bible, I just all of a sudden had more confidence in me and the Bible. I was able to do it because I, I don't really, I don't like to read. I don't sit around and think, man, I'd love to get my hands on a book. 
You know, I, congratulations. <laughs> but I don't. You know what I think? As soon as I pick it up, I'm thinking, what else can I be doing? <laughs> Sitting here seems like a waste of time. What else can I be doing? You know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying for me. But the minute that I realized when it says you've completed the plan, I was like, oh. I walked out, looked at Donna with a little, what's up? I read the Bible. She goes, I've done that 10 times. I said, well, I'm going to somebody else and tell them, you know. But it just gives you some confidence. It gives you some, 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 some courage that you're different because you read through the Bible. And, and, and when you read the, God's word, you're able to, see, you got to know it to keep it on your lips. You can't declare God's word if you don't know it. And you can't know it if you don't read it. And, and I think it's funny how some people say, well, Pastor Mike, I'm not a reader. That's not an option. God says, get the word inside. Whatever you got to do to get it in there, do it. But you need to, get, you need to feed your spirit. It's like giving your, your, your body a ham sandwich and say, ah, oh, man, I was hungry. That's good. Well, reading the word feeds your spirit. And your spirit says, oh, man, that was good. Yes. I feel bigger. I feel stronger. Amen? So one day Jesus looks at his disciples. And, and I think that you should think about this. You know, I just, I, it just helps me. You think about it your way. But sometimes I think about Jesus actually looking in my eyes and speaking to me. Not a story in a book. Because the Bible was meant to be a love letter to me and to you. And sometimes it just gives it a little more oomph if we think about him saying it to us. And he looked at his disciples one day and he said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Now, a lot of times we hear that and we think, well, what's that mean? <laughs> this is what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Well, what, what does it do? Salt, actually, it, it preserves, it stops decay. It, you know, we live in a world that's decaying pretty rapidly. Our presence in this world can slow that down. It, it can stop the world from going, you know, the old term, going to hell in a handbag. The only reason it hasn't happened is because we're here. Right. And we can have more of an influence as we identify with the fact that Jesus looked at us and said, you are, not they are, you are, you are, you are, the salt of the earth. You can make a difference. You're to be the light of the world. What does that mean? Light illuminates. It, it shows things what it really, you know, you could be in a room, maybe when you were little, maybe, maybe last week, I don't know, but you could be in a room where it's really dark and you hear a noise and you're like, oh my God, what is it? What's in this room? You can't see, so your imagination's telling you there's something there. Light dispels darkness. You turn the light on, you see, oh, it's nothing. You know, there's no, there's no boogeyman here. But you know, a boogeyman doesn't have to really be there to stop you. You could be petrified and shaking even though there's nothing there because of the darkness. And see, light illuminates. It, light, light dispels darkness. There's a lot of darkness in our world. And God says when you walk into a situation, darkness should be separate. It should just be dispelled. When you walk in, there should be a difference. When you walk, like you, you could be in the blackest room and you take out a little tiny pin light, you turn it on, darkness has to dispel. Light has power over darkness. Yes. That's the way it is. Yes. 
God is light. The enemy, kingdom of darkness is what he rules. We walk in as the light of the world. We dispel darkness. We hinder what he's up to. We stop him from being proficient at his plans, which he does have plans, as we walk in as the light of the world. And Jesus is telling us this so that we grab it and we realize this is real deal. This isn't just some preacher saying something. This is Jesus talking to you. You're to be the salt of the earth. You're to be the light of the world. You guys getting this? He's telling every single one of us. But some of us are so trapped because we don't have the courage to rise up. We're so trapped in who we think we're supposed to be that we're not being who we're meant to be. And we put a bushel over our light and we're not spreading our salt to, to stop decaying the people around us. We've just kind of covered up. And the reason is you can't live your best light hiding from who you were meant to be, your best life. You've got to let your light shine. You've got to allow God to move through you. If you don't, you do allow the enemy to downgrade who you are and what you're doing in this world. And that's really his agenda. And Jesus is looking at him and he's saying, look, if, you know, there was a time when Jesus would walk in and, and we're not going to get through today, so <laughs> we'll do it next week. So this is just good stuff, isn't it? I don't know, maybe I'm the only one enjoying this series, but I'm loving it. But anyway, thank you for that, me begging for, you know, affirmation that you guys aren't just sleeping or anything. So, you know, but anyway, Jesus is, is, is walking along and his disciples are walking with him and he hears them arguing. Yeah, disciples even argue and have flesh days, you know. So don't get down on yourself if that's something you're doing. Just don't do it every day. Um, but if you're having a bad day, and they started arguing and fighting about, now just imagine this, you're walking with God in the flesh. You've given up everything and you're following him. And he's God and he's going, he's doing all these things and you get distracted. I said, well, I'm better than you. Oh no, I'm greater than you are. I'm going to, I'm going to sit right next to him in heaven. You're not going, look at you. How could you possibly sit next to him? Look at this. How could I not? They're literally arguing about who's greater. And I want you to know Jesus stops. And he turns and he starts to talk to him. But here's the thing I want you to see. He doesn't shame him for wanting to be great. He doesn't sit there and say, how, how could you? How could you be distracted by that when we're doing the work we're doing? You never have to apologize for wanting to be great. It's just how you become great is the important thing. And Jesus stopped me, he turned around, he said, listen, you want to be great? I'm going to tell you how to be great. I'm going to tell you exactly how to be great in life. And he told me, he says, you need to learn to serve. That's what he told him. You've got to learn to serve. And he even used an example of somebody that a lot of people thought were, was a lowly guy, and he said, he's better than any of them. This guy, John the Baptist, man, he, you know what he did? John the Baptist gave his life to serve to make other people's lives better. He, 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 he made that his 100% his, his goal is to focus, and, and, to, and by better, I mean he wanted them closer to God. Not better like, you know, hey, do you feel okay today? No, he wanted to make sure he not only impacted this life, but impacted their eternity. Yeah. See, it all determines on, on what you think great is, right? right? You know, great is different for different people. 
Jesus is saying, if, if you want to be great, you need to learn to serve. And I know some people, they have this mind that serving makes them inferior, but that's actually contrary to the plan that God has. You know, I heard it quoted like this. If serving is beneath you, greatness is beyond you. If you're too big to help somebody else, you're never going to amount to much. You're just going to be a self-centered person that's forcing and manipulating things to, for self-gratification, but you're not going to make a big difference in this world. Nobody's going to talk about you and say, wow, he was a great person. They're going to say, you were a conniving snake and all you thought of was yourself. I don't want people to think about me like that. I want people to look at me and say, you know what, he did his best. He, he made an effort to serve other people. Some people buy into the lie that you're just supposed to be this meek, mild man and not make any ripples. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said this. He says, if they ask you to go a mile, go two. Have you ever heard somebody say, go the extra mile? It came from that. It's Jesus saying, give more than they expect. You know, my dad has an amazing work ethic. He's had it his, my, my whole life growing up. I've watched him, man. He showed up for work. He didn't miss work. And, and he told me this when I got my first job. I don't know if you remember this, Dad, but he said, always, always give them more than they pay you for. Now, at first I was like, what? Why don't they pay me more and I'll do more? <laughs> and he said, if you want to get paid more, you always give them more than they pay you for. Always do more than they expect. And it will change the way that you're treated and the way that you're looked at by the people around you. God's called us to be light. He's called us to be salt. And if we really want to experience success, we've got to take his example. You know, Jesus didn't come to be served. God in the flesh came to serve. Remember the time when he put the towel around his waist and he knelt down and he went to wash the disciples' feet and they were like, no, you can never wash me. He says, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. And then, of course, Peter, who's an extremist, said, well, give me a bath, you know. I want it all. Isn't it incredible that the most successful business on the planet got that way because they learned to serve the interests of other people? I got invited to a webinar today for the, the co-founder and the chief operating officer of Ritz-Carlton Hotels. Ritz-Carlton Hotels are unbelievably expensive. But do you know why people are willing to pay that kind of money to stay there? is because they serve you very well. They make sure that whatever you need or want is taken care of before sometimes you even realize you need it. We need to be willing to serve the betterment of other people so that our light will shine. Don't be self-focused and self-centered to where you think you're doing God's will by only looking at yourself. God called every one of us to follow Jesus' example and to be willing to serve. Amen? And when we're willing to serve, it, 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 we stand out. People, you know the people that go out of their way to make sure you're okay. You know the people that are, are, are exceptional. 
in, in the way they live their lives. If you're thinking about the Bible, I'm going to close with this. There's a story of, of a person in the Bible. It's just He's an incredible guy. If you've never read his story, you need to read it and you need to learn about him because what an example this guy was. He was one of the ones that was taken hostage and, and, and taken to Babylon because this guy was sharp, man. He knew what he was, um, what he was called to do. He knew who he was with God. And he never compromised that, even with the threat of death and even with the, the threat of being beaten and all this stuff. Daniel is his name. He, he knew what it meant to be connected to God, and, and he was courageous about it. And, and Daniel, who, well, he ended up getting himself in some pretty big trouble because he, in Babylon, they, they prayed to idols, you know, and that's who you pray to. You don't pray to anybody else. That's the law. Well, Daniel threw his windows open and knelt down, and he prayed to our God. And of course, word got out. The leaders said, you know what? You're not allowed to do that. So they threw him in a lion's den. That's a den with a rock in front of it with a whole bunch of lions in front of it or inside of it. And he's in there with it. And you know what? He went in there knowing God's got me. He went in there understanding that even in a lion's den, God's still God. Even with coronavirus, God's still God. Even in uh, uh, there's the shutting the company down, God's still God. I'll get another job. God's got something better for me because I walk in his favor and I follow his direction. God's still God. Amen? But I want you to hear, and I'm going to close with this, and then we're going to pick up and finish next week maybe. I don't know. But anyway, this, this is the story of Daniel. Or this is just one verse, just one verse. Uh, Daniel 6.3, it says this. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps. Now, the satraps are, are, are providential um, leaders. These are real high up in the, in the chain of authority over the land. And, uh, and the administrators are people that are in high positions of authority. But look what it says. So Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king plan to set him over the whole kingdom. Now this guy went through a, a roller coaster of a life, but because he was exceptional, because he was courageous enough to not compromise when, when they said, no, no, you need to tone it down, dude. No, you need, to, you need to go ahead and do what we tell you. You know, yeah, I know you love God, but Daniel said, I'm not gonna defile myself. I'm not gonna do something I know is wrong. Daniel was courageous. Because of his courage, he was seen as exceptional. And because he was exceptional, God was able to move him from the bottom of the pile to the top of the pile and use him to make sure that God's plan for all of us came to pass. Because he set himself apart by being courageous enough to walk with God and to embrace the plan of God. And to say, you know what, it's not about me, it's about God, what do you want from me? What do you want through me? What do you wanna do with the life you've given me because if you let him have that kind, God's not going to control you. He's not going to be the driver of your life. He's going to be the director. He's going to say, Chris, I need you to do this. I know it doesn't make sense, but I want you to go ahead and step over there. I want you to walk. He told me one day, and I was, I was so embarrassed. This is my last story for the day. But I'm out buying shoes. I love people. I'd love for God to use me. And I think it's great, but I just wish he'd do it in my comfort zone. <laughs> and he never does. But I'm there. And Don and I have two kids in school, and, you know, we're getting by, um, believing God for, for finances and, and putting him first in our finances. And we always have enough, and that's cool. And, but now here's a day where I hear a guy inside of a shoe store, and he's 
making some ruckus. And he's, he's really kind of just throwing a fit. And I hear him, and I think, I got to get out of here. And uh, God says, go talk to him. And I say, get behind me, devil. You know, and God says, excuse me, that's me. I was like, come on, God. This is not the gift you gave me. And God's like, what? <laughs> God's always right. We're not. If, if we're in opposition to God, he's right. He said, go talk to him. I was like, God, isn't there somebody else here? I mean, I'm honest. I'm just being honest with you. Isn't there somebody else that can do it? Don't you have somebody like Donna who will float in on a smile and say, how are you doing? The world is great. God loves you. Let's go pick flowers and talk about it. Isn't there somebody like that? You know? And God says, you go talk to him. And I'm just being honest with you. I was hoping that the guy would leave before me and God got done talking. But he didn't. And it might not be a big deal to you, but at that stage of my life, it took every ounce of courage I could muster up to go talk to this guy who's already rude. And, and I don't even remember. He was just like, and, and I had to walk up to him and, you know, stammer a little bit and stuff. But the bottom line is I obeyed God and God was able to show himself to that guy. Wow. It wasn't me being great. Because if it's up to me, I'm like, later, dude, you're on your own. But God had me do that. And I had to embrace God's will in that moment instead of my will. And to embrace God's will, it takes courage. It really does. But when you do it, it's incredible the results that happen. Because God's with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Matter of fact, when it was all said and done, I found out that God had already been dealing with him. God had already been working on his heart, and I was just the, the finishing piece of the puzzle to share with him. It wasn't up to me to do it all. It was just up to me to do my little part, but I had to have the courage to do it. Whose life will you impact if you embrace and you exercise and you learn to walk with courage into whatever situation God shows you? How many eternal destinies can be turned because you're a person of courage and you're not thinking of yourself over other people? If we learn to serve, and we're ultimately serving God all the time, and we're serving the interests of God, when we learn to serve, we do become great. And if heaven is a reality for you, which a lot of people talk about it, but it's not really a real place in their mind yet, God says, I'm keeping score. I'm keeping track of everything you do that I ask you to do. And when you get here, you're going to have a reward for every single thing I ask you to do. And let me tell you something. Heaven lasts a lot longer than this place. And what we give up here is nothing compared to what we're going to have there. And you may have to step out of your comfort zone, but that is where you'll find your greatness. Because when I walked away from there, I felt like a million bucks. I felt like, wow, how could that happen? God, did you really use me? But he did. But I had to have the courage to step into it. Amen? This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv 
or like us on Facebook. Thank you.